the inaugural episode of Mistake by the Take. Jake and Dylan kick things off by letting you guys know a little bit about themselves, how they got to be Cleveland sports fans, and all of that. And then, with the Browns having no picks in the first two rounds, let you know about the AFC North picks aside from the Browns. Getting to let you know who you might be seeing over the next couple of years taken in this draft. After that, a deep dive into the Cleveland Browns' seven picks they made this year, as well as taking a bit of a look at the undrafted free agents that the Browns signed. They finally closed things out with a draft of their own, drafting the worst Cleveland sports picks of all time. You're going to hear it right here on the first episode ever of Mistake by the Take. Welcome into the very first edition of Mistake by the Take. I'm Jake Volnick alongside Dylan Feltovich. Dylan, episode number one finally underway. How do we feel? Well, how did it feel not saying streaks talking sports? That's the real question. I mean, we're so used to just, you know, hopping on there, going on that and going on our rants. But yeah, no, now we're taking it to the podcast. I'm really excited. Um, I've tried podcasts in the past, never really had someone else to do it with me. But then all of a sudden, Jake comes along, presents the idea. So I'm really excited, especially ranting about good old Cleveland sports. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah, there's nothing better to jump into. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, A1 Cleveland yes. sports. I mean, plenty to rant about. And, uh, but yeah, this is actually this is my first podcast I'm ever doing, so very interesting. Uh, you mentioned Streaks Talking Sports. Anybody who doesn't know, both of us students at John Carroll. You can hear us if you're in the Cleveland area, 88.7 or WJCU app. We also uh, we do stuff there, Tuesday 6 to 7. We're on. We're talking sports for an hour, and uh, I guess we just don't get enough of it because right back here we are. No, we don't. And I mean, we get only an hour on the, on the air, and you know, there's way more to talk about with Cleveland sports than just that segment, you know, and and especially too, we like to talk John Carroll sports as well and try to make that a priority there, but we want extra time. Might as well make a podcast and rant about it a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think main thing, this being pilot episode number one, you kind of got to let people know who we are. You know, for the most part, we probably figure it's people uh, that we know listening to this first episode, but you know people that I don't know, and I know people that you don't know, so exactly. at least let them know who we are, right? So I'll take the lead. I'll yeah. go first. Uh, Jake Volnick, obviously, got you in there on that, student at John Carroll. Uh, life goal, sports broadcasting. I want to get into play-by-play, so baseball, the ideal field. That's really my main uh, my main comfort stay, but you'll hear it here. We're going to talk basketball, football, You know, maybe dabble in some other stuff if it comes up, but I'm pretty much enthralled into it all, but baseball is the true passion, and... uh. When it comes to sports in general, didn't really get a choice on who I was rooting for growing up. Uh, I was pretty much a Cleveland fan through and through, born and raised here. And uh, I always like to tell people, uh, how, how did you choose Cleveland, you know, other than being here? Was there anything else? Uh, yeah, his name was my dad. Uh, <laughs> I was growing up. I was six. I said that I liked the Cincinnati Bengals, and I caught a, a swift hit to the head from his hand. <laughs> and that was the end of that. I was, uh, I was not allowed to like any other team than Cleveland, so I was pretty much forced into it, but... You know, at this point, we're happy about it, or at least, you know, okay with it. <laughs> happy about it. Yeah, passionate yeah. about it, yeah. I could say. <laughs> passionate. That's a good way to put yeah. it there. Yeah, no, I, but, uh, yeah, I'm, my name is Dylan Feldovich. Um, I'm going to be a junior at John Carroll. Uh, like Jake, you know, my goal is to go in the sports media field. Um, 
I want to go more into sports talk, so this is like literally right up my alley. And especially when Jake mentioned it to me, I'm like, dude, let's let's roll with it. So I'm really excited to get into that part. Um, I also play baseball here at John Carroll, um, but I also have passion for all these other sports, uh, football, basketball. Um, unlike you, I was given a choice because on one side of the family, my dad is a Steelers, Pirates fan. He, he'll root for the Guardians, though, um, whether he admits it or not. He'll, he'll still root for them. But um, and my mom's side was, was the Brown side. And I, I say I had a choice. But I didn't really have a choice. My mom's an Italian. She forced me to go the Browns way. Yeah, she had the push. Yeah. So, and, um, but no, I ended up making the the choice to be a Browns fan. Do I regret it some days? Yes. But overall, though, I mean, I can't complain. It, it's it's. I feel like it's a lot different. You. It's very unique in the sense of our fan base and how we kind of are as a collective group but no i mean i overall i i can't complain you know well you'll you'll eventually find out how i feel about it though (laughs) yeah i'm sure we'll when we get breaking down into it we'll uh, we'll really get into it good thing you're not a steelers fan though because this podcast wouldn't exist i mean that would that's a great point far apart on this on the views here that we would have because thank goodness my mom took control from my dad (laughs) in that aspect yeah we can uh we can thank mama felt for that one for sure we can all right, but let's uh, let's get breaking down right into it. You know, the draft, not so long ago, pretty much just a week since recording this. We're recording this on Wednesday, May third, so just under a week away, and uh, or a week ago, I should say. But it was, you know, it's an odd scenario here. This isn't what we're normally used to because you'll hear it when we break these down. We're going to take a look at picks around the division, but the Browns don't have a pick for the first two rounds. Yeah, I mean, as a Browns fan, you usually are like, this is your holy grail because you don't have any playoff run. You usually have no hopes during the season. So it's interesting going from the aspect of, okay, yeah, let's, the draft, it's going to be, you know, all these guys and stuff. But, um, and, and then going to simply, okay, like, we're not picking until the next day and stuff like that. But uh, for me, it was more of I, I got super into the draft my senior year of high school. Um, so I, I follow all these guys. And, I mean, this still is my holy grail. But, I mean, it, it's still from the Cleveland Browns aspect, it's really weird to not have that first-round pick that we usually, you know, pray to pray to God that he'll be – our savior and never comes but you know it's <laughs> yeah not a, it almost never works it never you know, works. a couple here and there miles garrett recently you know there's a couple that we hit on but you're right yeah most a couple of the time, misses but yeah. yeah right you know more misses than hits overall but it is it's just a weird scenario you know this is like you said kind of the holy grail time usually for us where you know you have the high pick it's something to look forward to and now you're just you know you look ahead to round three and you're like well i hope we can fill in some gaps but just a weird scenario you know if you're wondering where they went in case you're not following, your first-round pick, gone for Deshaun Watson. Whether you feel about that, yay or nay, you know, we won't get too far into it. Um, and I believe the round two pick this year goes to Elijah Moore in the Jets. You Correct. pick up a slot receiver, you yeah. know, and it's probably who you're better than you were picking up in round two anyway, at least immediate impact-wise. I think we can talk on it slightly. Elijah Moore, I think it's going to be a great pickup. I think he's severely underutilized in New York. Yeah, um, I, I think – Looking at this draft this year, there was the depth for wide receiver was kind of there, but I didn't really schematically wise. I mean, you could maybe 
this is one of the prospects that you could say was Josh Downs would play in that slot. Um, but it's better to have a proven commodity because there are stats that clearly back up that say like, hey, like Elijah Moore is legit. It's just again they didn't properly utilize him and I think a lot of that also has to do with quarterback play there they obviously with Zach Wilson I was super high on him coming out I'll admit it but that didn't work out obviously so now that we have a guy in Elijah Moore coming in I think it's going to be something that this offense really needed um especially to like I said um on the streaks talking sports it's almost like that Will Fuller kind of Deshaun Watson vibe that I get a little bit. Obviously, maybe not to that extent, but I'm, I'm really excited, especially, too, he's a, he's a younger guy. So it's going to be – it'll be fun watching that duo kind of grow throughout the years. But, yeah, no, I think overall I was I was okay with that trade for sure. Yeah, it's one I'm really excited about. I think uh, when you move on pretty much from your slot receiver being Anthony Schwartz to Elijah Moore, I don't think that anybody can have much of uh, an argument – Anthony yeah. Schwartz, I'm sure if he uh, sees any play time anywhere this year, you'll hear a quick rant about it from me. Not one of my favorite players no, by I, any means. i completely on board with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we might as well jump into to part of the draft here. Again, Browns not going to have a pick in the first two rounds, but we are going to break down the picks in the division. Guys that you might see that uh, might be putting in an impact and possibly a good one based on some of these picks Four teams that you're going to be playing twice a year as the Cleveland Browns. First one off the board, you're going to pick 14, and the Steelers, protecting Kenny Pickett, they go and tackle out of Georgia, Broderick Jones, and this guy's a mammoth. Yeah, I. the thing is, he's a mammoth, but he's also very athletic, too. Um, I really enjoyed his film. I, I don't think it was technically... You know, very advanced. Uh, there was guys like Peter Skaronsky there. You know, he doesn't have that big, like, athletic or just a huge guy or anything like that. But he's very technically sound. Um, but I, I really liked him. Uh, he had a first-round grade for me, and he was my offensive tackle three. Um, I, I mean, that's what they needed, you know. They needed to protect Kenny Pickett. You got your guy you think you at least have your guy in there. So you might as well go ahead and take that and build around him. Um, and uh, as we, we're going to talk later in the about a couple other picks that they made. Um, but no, I mean, that that's exactly what they needed to do. Um, they traded up a couple spots to go up and get him, uh, which, I mean, it, it, it was a good move by them. You know, it, you can't it, – it's hard – saying that about the Steelers, but overall, I mean, they did, they had a really good draft, and we're going to touch on the picks later, what else they took, but I mean, yeah, overall, they, they killed it this year. Yeah, I saw a lot of uh, sort of rankings of people saying who what teams had the best draft and putting them in top fives, top tens, constantly seeing Pittsburgh in the top five. It hurts a little bit, but I mean, when you look at it, I, yeah, they pretty much nailed all their picks, and you'll hear it again coming up in these next couple of rounds, but Moving on from Jones, you said he's a big guy, talented, moved up to get him. I don't think it's a bad pick whatsoever. You know, once Paris Johnson's gone off the board, that's kind of the guy you were looking at. You know, you said Skronsky too. Those were kind of, I feel like, the the back and forth of who was going next. And that's just the way it crumbles for Pittsburgh. And then going on, a few picks later, eight. It's going to be the 22nd overall Ravens finally getting Lamar some help in the draft. They went ahead and got OBJ in free agency. But right now, pick 22 is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. And this was a guy 
I'm glad to see him go off the board in this spot rather than the guy who went two spots earlier than him. That's Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. Because, one, I don't know how he falls to 20 in this draft, but in that offense would have been absolutely a monstrosity to watch as a Cleveland Browns fan. But still, I think Zay Flowers is not a bad pick either. No, I, I would cry if I had to watch J.K. Dobbins and Jackson Smith and the Jigba go up against our Browns twice a year. But, no, I, I mean, Zay Flowers, that, that's one of the things where it was just like they – it seems like they could never get the wide receiver room right or their just passing game in general. I think that's more of the concern. Um, I really liked Rashad Bateman coming out. Um, I, I still as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential there still with them. I think they have a great wide receiving core, but um, – no, I mean, with Zay Flowers, it's more juice to that lineup because I, probably some of the best body control I've seen in a wide receiver in forever. Um, he's very shifty. He's a great route runner, and he's got good hands and good speed. It's really all you kind of want in a wide receiver. And people I saw on Twitter and stuff like that, I don't want to obviously make this this comparison. I never like making it, but I've seen like a lot of people say he's kind of like an Antonio Brown where it's just like – out of nowhere, a little smaller, but I mean, like, man, he is just great at everything that you can be good at, you know, as a wide receiver. Um, but yeah, like, so, smaller size, that's one of the knocks that I had on him, uh, 5'9, 182. But um, it, it's, he could ball. This is literally what I said in my notes. He could ball, but can the Ravens use him properly? It, because if you can unlock it like that offense and get that figured out, it, it, this can be a very explosive team and but it's all of a matter of if you can utilize those pieces correctly um they bring in the the georgia guy um oh, i'm drawing a blank on him i forget his name the for their offensive coordinator but they uh, yeah he, yeah skip on me on that part i'm right. still thinking it's greg roman over here so yeah well, thank goodness that they got rid of greg roman <laughs> yeah. but anywho yeah no i i mean it We'll see if he could bring in a more of a passing attack, but um, overall, he was my wide receiver too with the first round grade. Um, it was more of the middle. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba was number one, but yeah, no, I, I really, again, I, it sucks because not only did the Steelers have a good draft, our whole division had a good draft. Like it was just, I, it shows that we're in a very tough division with a lot of well-run organizations. Yeah, it was definitely. Just watching around and even looking at the names after, I'm like, wow, they got guys pretty much rounds one through three who I just stared at and I didn't have to do any research on. I'm just like, I saw this guy You've play seen enough. Them. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're coming from Power Five schools and they're guys who produced for those Power Five schools. Yep. Tough to watch. Zay Flowers is probably the one name, you know, that doesn't come from a, it, it is a Power Five school, but Boston College. Yeah. You know, still though. Not, not a great program historically, but Zay Flowers, again, yeah, you said it. The one knock that I've seen on him around. It's been size, yeah. Which you you can say it all you want, but sometimes that's just not enough, right? I think you're right up the right lane here. I think uh, it's whether or not the Ravens use him right. They the past game's just been so bad, and you can buy into the Lamar narrative if you want to. I'm not buying it in the terms of the fact that he can't pass. We saw tremendous upgrades, and he's throwing to pretty much Mark Andrews and then a bunch of high school receivers at this point. I mean. They're finally going out and getting some guys for him to throw to. I think this team, after bringing him back on that contract, is scary and very, very terrible for the Browns and the the vision that they have going forward. It's 
back to being a three-team race just when you thought you were getting rid of Lamar. Right. No, um, also, Todd Munkin, that's who it was. I drew a blank on it. Anywho, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it. it I was going to probably this summer, it was, I was going to like kind of study a guy where it's like, can he actually like, what what's really going on? I think a lot of it, Greg Roman did not help. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, but I think as a passer, I would like to see because this is kind of your make or break this is like okay can Lamar really pass because he's got the weapons around him now he's got a new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin who has proven to like I mean George is all he made Stenson Bennett look good like I mean that's a that's a very hard task so I mean it's like you got all these pieces around you dude if you got to play up to that it's a I'm pretty sure it's 52 mil now where it's just like your time to shine, Lamar. Let's see if you can do it. Yeah, really. Uh, it's all on the table for him. You're not yes. kidding. Uh, but maybe we'll see if uh, it was him making Stetson Bennett shine because, you know, unrelated, he did get drafted and Such fairly high. I believe it was the fourth Such or fifth round. Fourth round. Fourth round of the Rams. Georgia quarterback to Georgia quarterback there. Uh, we won't get too deep into that one either. <laughs> not, a, not a pick that either Dylan or I agree with. Right. Stetson Bennett standing at 5'11", probably not going to be my fourth-round quarterback, no. especially when we get into who the Browns got, but not quite yet. Going to jump in, 28th overall now, rounding out the division. Each of them get one pick. Bengals take Miles Murphy out of Clemson. The end, I, again, it's a first-round pick, and I think, again, a, the right pick. This guy's a monster. Yeah, and it, you could tell that the the – when the Bengals went with this strategy, was it, they went more on the side of, like, let's just take the best player available and create some type of depth. Um, they got they already have a pretty good pass rush. Um, we've seen it plenty of times. But, uh, no, I, I like Miles Murphy. I think at the time he was the best player on my board um, when it was picked. Actually, no, it was Nolan Smith at the time. But still, either way, Miles Murphy, he's in a great spot because he's a – athletic freak i watched him live play against notre dame i was at that game and you could just tell that it was just like man like this dude this dude is something else and he you knew that he was going to be able to wreak havoc in the league you just don't know when you know and i think taking a little bit of time and he's not going to have to be starting right away with that team so i think this is a really good scenario for him i think he's my overall he was my edge five with the first round grade I thought it was a slam dunk pick. I mean, people were talking about maybe a tight end at that spot or a different type of weapon, but I was, I mean, you can't really go wrong with an edge. You know, pass rush is one of the biggest needs in the NFL too. So, I I mean, I, again, slam dunk pick, you know. People are talking about weapons. What more do the Bengals need on offense? Come on, man. Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, I mean, They've had serviceable tight ends. Hayden Hurst isn't bad. You yeah. know, it's just Irv Smith. Irv now. Smith yeah. too. Yeah. It. What more do you want out of that offense? I mean, you can't have every guy be, you know, a Pro Bowler. Right. Calm down. Right. I mean, no kidding. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It was a great pick. I think defense right where they need to go right now. I think that's where they really need to bolster up, and it's going to take them to that next step. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Of course. Yeah. But obviously, it's. I don't think so. Those are all the first-round picks going to jump into the second round. Back-to-back picks in terms of the division coming out for the Steelers, 32nd and 49th. They go to cornerback for Joey Porter Jr. as well. He's from Penn State and Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, D-tackle. I 
truthfully thought the Steelers were going to take Joey Porter Jr. at their original pick. I think it was 17, but then they ended up trading up to take Broderick Jones, which again was obviously panned out for him because now they addressed, because that was one of the bigger needs was, okay, they need to attack that offensive line and they also need to attack the secondary. They lose a lot of key pieces in like Cameron Sutton. And as a, as a Browns fan, you're kind of excited. You're like, all right, we're going yeah, to get a little throw the ball. Yeah. We're going to throw the ball more and they don't have that many weapons back there. All right. But then, you know, they go out there and they pick Joey Porter, who was, I mean, he's, he was a first round guy that fell in the second round for me. And he is like uh, the son of Joey Porter which makes a ton of sense because former Steelers and it he's very physical. He's got good length. He's got good size. He's very he, agile. I liked him a lot. Um, he was my cornerback for, um, I was kind of shocked on it. I don't know what kind of, those are one of those things where it's just like, we don't know as the fans, like what happened and what was it that made him fall that deep in the draft um but i think that's part of it why they were just like now nah, we're gonna stay put at 32 and, and and take joey porter but i mean excellent he could be too physical at sometimes but overall i mean it fits that steeler mentality too so i it, again it was just a great pick by them and that was a pick that made me feel like the craig newsom to jok combination that the browns went with not so long ago right. it was one where i'm sitting there watching the draft and i was really high on Jeremiah Usukumoa, uh, it was just, I'm sitting there, I'm like, we get him in the first round. This right. guy's electric. They skip on him, he falls down to the second, you jump back up and you take him. And not that the Steelers had to jump back up in this spot, but he just falls to you again. It's, I mean, you know, you just give a round of applause to everybody in that draft room for being able to spot that out and get your guy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, the same thing with Keenan Benton, too. The, um, Defensive tackle from Wisconsin. I mean, that was probably where I would expect him to go in that like middle to second, middle to late second round, um, and that's where I really had him graded. But like again, like he's just a guy that can just play good physical football, and it just fits that narrative of being a Pittsburgh Steeler in the, especially just the Midwest kind of vibe that you get from a football player. A lot of Big Ten picks in the. In, in the second round for just our division too. I mean, like we're going to talk about a couple other guys with like Michigan and stuff, but it just kind of goes to show you just that they at least were going after these, these physical guys that will go after in the trenches. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I like that pick too. I mean, it, they took, I was kind of hoping that eventually maybe he'd like have a sudden fall to us because I did have them higher than one of our picks. But I mean, yeah, I can't come it, just hats off at that point, you know? Yeah, this actually, it's not a podcast where we break down what picks we like and not. We just go through and look at everybody and say, yeah, we like them. Yes, we like them. It, That's pretty it, much what it feels like right now. Right. But it's just, it hurts. But it's, it's just like, it's good. true. Yeah. It's just like, man, like, I don't, it, if this was a Lions podcast, it would be us screaming for 30 minutes, I'm sure. But yeah. it's not. It's just like, it, I mean, it goes to show you how tough this division truly is. Yeah, we probably could have had a Lions podcast between our techs after uh, a yeah, no couple of those picks. We, that was uh, horrendous. Yeah, no, just a bad draft overall from them. Yeah. I just no words for that. No words. No. But <laughs> move on from that. Yeah, yeah. No, let's not dive down that rabbit hole. But uh, Bengals with the next one to come up, 60th overall pick. You know, if you're from around this area, probably not a guy that you're going to struggle to root against in the most part if you're an Ohio State fan, because. Uh, 
They decide to go cornerback, go get a Wolverine and DJ Turner. Yeah, um, DJ Turner, I I was lower than most um, in the consensus. Uh, fast, fast, fast. He ran a four two six at the combine, and boy does it show on the film. Um, he is great in man coverage too, and I, and it helps that he is very fast. Um, but there are some size concerns with him. Uh, he is sitting at a very, I think it was 5'11". Um, yeah. yeah, 5'11", right around 180. 180, yeah, which, I mean, obviously it kind of makes sense of, like, you know, he's going to be faster at least. But, I mean, I, overall, he I felt like that was, like, the one where it was like, all right, you reached a little bit. I had a third-round grade on him. Um so going in the second round didn't make sense, but I could see why a team goes after him, especially with um, the Bengals kind of being a team where it's like you're not really drafting for an impact player like immediately. You could take a guy that could be developmental or just even like a cornerback three and just be at least has a trait that you can kind of base it off of. But no, I mean, it wasn't a bad pick by all means, but a little bit of a reach in my books. Yeah, it was one that... Uh... It was a guy that I probably I agreed with it a little bit more. You had it as a bit of a reach, but watching Turner play, you know, as a as a Buckeye fan, he he made an impact. He's a quick guy. Yeah. Against some physical receivers, probably going to get knocked around just a little bit, but that's what happens when you're five eleven, one eighty, and you can make that argument against you know some of the Browns receivers. Denzel Ward sitting right around that too. You know, he comes out and plays his own game. He's one of the best corners in the league, so I yeah. think the. Sometimes the size and frame and weight questions when talking about corners is, I don't want to call it like blown up and, you know, like over dramatized, excuse me, but it, I think it is at a point. Like, guys, like you're going to get kind of beat up by physical guys, but not so much to the point where you can't compete. It's not like, you know, they're going out picking on little brother. Right. No. And, and I think it's more of just like, okay, what do you expect from them? Do you expect them to be your cornerback one to kind of take over and shut down? Because if you want him to be your leading quarterback, cornerback in the room, then like he, I just don't think he's going to be that. But I mean, like if you need him to be two or three, I think it makes sense because it's, you're not looking for an all around guy there. You're looking for more traits and stuff like that. And I, and he's, got a trade of speed and he's good in man coverage which it's going to help too but um no and and then going after it's like okay then we you know do we have the size to kind of counter that and I think we had a little bit of that in the draft but overall I mean we do kind of have a smaller room so it's going to be interesting you know to see okay where are they going to put him on the field you know and who are they going to line him up against? But I, I'm interested to see the dynamic between those two. And uh, and this is also another Michigan pick. So they're they're uh, because not last year they ended up taking uh, the kid uh, Dax Hill. I remember yep. that late in the late in the first. But um, no, I so I guess their scouting department's really going after those Michigan <laughs> guys. But uh, no, I mean it'll be interesting to see how all that unfolds. Yeah, it definitely will. Only time can tell, of course. But that. Wrapped up the second round for the AFC North, and in the third round, we'll preface it, there is a Browns pick before any of these three picks, but we're going to go ahead and rattle off, finish off the division, not going to talk about any of them past the third round. So, 86th overall, the Ravens are up, take inside linebacker Trenton Simpson out of Clemson. 
Yeah, I like Trenton Simpson. Uh, I think he he was rated pretty highly during the beginning of the year, especially with that Clemson defense being so talented. And he was a guy that didn't really stick out too much. But again, I, I saw him in that game live, and it was he was he showed. You know, it wasn't like anything. He's not. I won't say he's good at one specific thing. He's kind of he's good at everything. It's not like he has any elite traits. So I think kind of the third round. It made sense that he fell to there because I had a second round grade on him. Um, but again, I was higher than most. I think a little bit had to do with I saw it live. So I mean, that could potentially have a little bit of an impact. But I mean, yeah, he's just a solid guy, and I think that Ravens just they know what to do with their linebackers. I feel like so he's in a great spot to succeed. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think that with them not, it was Patrick Queen that didn't get his fifth year option with them so I mean that's kind of one of those things where it's just like okay we could potentially see him filling a role eventually in the future so I mean yeah solid pick I he was my third linebacker on my board so I again <laughs> the Ravens the Ravens are doing good things I yeah they come through they make the right pick linebacker position kind of they always seem to nail right on the head right I don't think Simpson much of a coverage guy but not every linebacker has to be in the Ravens have had guys that haven't been coverage guys in the past right. and have used them to perfection. Right, and they and, and you know they got a good rotation too. It's not like they have just one guy that they have to rely on. They got a rotation, and he's going to be a rotation guy in the league. He's not going to be every three down kind of guy. It's more of just you know he, he's going to be a good rotational guy that you'll see and make a couple of impact plays a game. Yep. Ninety third overall, a few picks later, Steelers are up. Take tight end Darnell Washington out of Georgia. And listen, I feel like it's said for almost every Georgia player. I said it about Broderick, but uh, this guy's actually a mammoth. He is enormous playing the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, like, I think his final, like, measurements were like... 6'7", 265. He's an offensive lineman. He's an offensive... Well, and that's the thing. Many people were like, okay, when's this dude going to make the transition to an offensive lineman? Because... The thing that his elite trait is he's a very good blocking tight end. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, why would they go and take a tight end when they have Fryermuth? And then I kind of sat back and I'm like, well, he's one hell of a blocker. So I and I, it made sense to pair him up with that because I, I was my main concern was he's his ability in the pass catch like just simply pass catching was not there. Obviously, he did play again like behind uh, Brock Bowers, all those talented guys there. But I, I just did not see that in his film too much. But, I mean, the dude is just an athlete too. And it was just like, man, like it makes perfect sense to go here because now you don't have to be that pass-catching guy because they have Pat Fryermuth in that role. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he fell into the third round. There were some medical concerns with his knee. I think that's what made him drop because, I mean, there was mock drafts saying that he could potentially go into the first round just because of his blocking ability. But, um, no, I mean, I, I, it was it was a – and it made sense for him, especially, too, they want to help protect Pickett. And I think that's one of – he's going to be a guy, too. Like, I mean, worst-case scenario, if he doesn't work out, you got yourself an offensive tackle there. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. He ran, by the way, a four six four forty. 
Not that that's necessarily blinding. I don't even speed. think I run a four six four forty. Like, <laughs> exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like it's not like you know he's not out there running a four three, but for a guy that's measuring in at six seven, you can't do that. You can't. No, that's like that's ridiculous. Like you have to imagine, you know, if they work on his catching too. That's a guy that's you know he's not a deep threat, but he can hustle past yeah. some linebackers probably a little bit, catch some guys off guard. Yeah. No. I mean, I, again, I think that like just being such an athlete is going to help him out a lot in this league. But, I mean, yeah, it was. It, I was shocked that he fell that far. But, obviously, the medical coming out made made some sense. But, yeah, I mean, it, he's in a great spot there in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we'll have to get your 40 time calculated out here to see if uh, if you or Darnell Washington has a better time. No need to record mine. I can probably tell you it <laughs> yeah, starts yeah. with about a six. So, <laughs> no, need to, no need to get too far into it. But uh, speed, speed's not my elite trait. Let's just say <laughs> that one. <laughs> a couple of uh, guys with, you know, go to the cliche. Uh, some trailers hooked onto the back of them here on the podcast. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> I have heart. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we play with passion. That's why we're here, right? But uh, jumping in, just two picks later, rounds out the AFC North. Aside from that Browns pick we mentioned, ninety fifth overall, so right there at the end of the third round. Bengals are back up. And they improved the secondary again, this time Alabama safety Jordan Battle. Yeah, I mean, again, it, going after that depth, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, they didn't have – they. we talked about Dax Hill going uh, last draft. Uh, again, it, it's great value for a guy to get him late in the third uh, like Jordan Battle. Especially, you know, he's faced so many talented teams – at Alabama, so it it makes a lot of sense. I had a second to r- third round grade on him. Um, he was my safety three. It was it was a pretty weak safety class. Um, we'll probably get into that later about like what what positions we didn't go after and what we did and stuff. But um, no, I mean I think he was one of the better guys in this draft, um, and I think he could definitely develop into something pretty good in coverage. Um, he's I, I didn't really see him much in the box or anything like that, but I. I I like them. I, I like my coverage guys too. So I, I did have a little bit of a favoritism towards them. But yeah, it, solid pick by them. Yeah, and maybe it's just the the Alabama bias coming through for me. But I'm surprised to watch him drop that far. I feel right. like he had a pretty good college career. A guy that you know athletically isn't anything to like scoff at. He's he's pretty strong athletically. He's quick. You said he's good in coverage. Just surprised to see him drop that low and. Hate to see him drop to a division uh, opponent there. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. All right. But that pretty much wraps it up for the guys outside of the Browns in the AFC North. But now we get to dig in to the real meat of things here. It's going to be some ups and downs, I think, from the both of us on the guys that we had taken. I think overall, as a standpoint, we felt pretty good about the draft and how Cleveland did. Yeah, I overall I think it was the best you could do with only at at your best as a third round pick. Um I think that there was a couple of needs that needed to be addressed 
that we did attempt to address. Um, and then I think towards the end, we saw just a lot of value go off the board. And I that's where I, I, I had a lot of my, you know, like, oh, that's an A-plus pick and stuff like that. It wasn't – it was more of like we got the needs – out of the way in like the third, fourth round. And then towards the end, when we had those fifth rounds and the late fourths, you kind of saw that we were chasing after Valley because there was guys on the board that just kind of like fell off like, like I don't know, like how like certain, some of these guys were that low. But I mean, yeah, so I think that was kind of the way we went, which made it at least a little bit better in the sense of like, all right, well, that saved some of these picks and because overall like you said it it was kind of a roller coaster in my opinion but yeah I don't think it was you know I don't think you peaked too high and you didn't drop down too low of a valley but it was ups and downs yeah we'll jump right into it as you said there was a pick that we skipped over there from the Browns it's a 74th overall in the third round there probably a little bit of a surprise to some people Browns decide to attack the wide receiver room and they get Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee so this one was kind of interesting so Tillman, a little bit of background on him. He had over 1,600 yards at his time in Tennessee, which may not seem like a lot, but there was some injuries and just playing time in general. There's only about two seasons where he was kind of like a factor in that offense. Um, he did have over 1,000 yards in his 2021 campaign, uh, but this year we only saw – he only played in a few games, uh, 417 yards in 2022. Uh, there was a injury with his ankle for most of the 2020, 2022 season. A lot of, a lot of twos in there, 2020, 2020, way, 2020 2022. Way too many. Man, that, <laughs> I was getting too much of me. Um, but no, but he decided to play through it. Um, I was not surprised that it was him, though. A lot of people are like, well, you know, that doesn't fit the guardrails for, you know, our, our team and stuff like that. And I was just like, well, you know what Jimmy Haslam loves? And he loves his Tennessee guys, apparently. And I was like, he's either going to take Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt, or he'll take, for some reason, he'll take Hendon Hooker. Luckily, it was a wide receiver in that sense. But I wasn't surprised by the pick. Um, it, I, he again, he loves that Tennessee offense, which I don't know why. I I personally don't love it, but it's very ironic because guess what shirt I'm wearing today? No shot. He got the Tennessee. He's <laughs> got, got the a Tennessee shirt, shirt on. on. <laughs> so Look I was that. like, just so much irony in that statement. But it's more of just like I don't. They run an air raid system. I don't really see it. They stack their wide receivers a lot. They don't. That doesn't transition in the NFL. And that was one of my big knocks on. Uh, Tillman was just like he he hasn't his route tree sucked it simply was just it was either you know a couple goes a lot of wheels just stacked a lot I didn't like it a lot um but uh, other than that I mean he's great physical build uh we we don't have that much in our room so getting a guy that's 6'3 215 helps a lot um he's a good jump ball wide receiver and he's a reliable blanket option uh, and he has a solid tracking ability, good hands. So it, 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 at the worst, you're getting a guy that can just at least be there just in case if anything, if all else fails. Um, so, but the thing is, like, he is slower. Uh, he ran a four five four, which could be potentially injuries. But again, in my 2021 tape, he was still kind of slow. Um, if if we're going to try to uh, replace 
Donovan Peoples-Jones, I just don't see it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I just don't, because he's not an ideal deep threat for us. I think it, 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 there's similar play styles, but it just doesn't, it, I don't, either way, I mean, I'm not much of a Donovan Peoples-Jones fan either, so it's just, I don't think, I think we just need to reconstruct that at all. So, I mean, he's not good at separation either, and he was in a poor system, um, and he is 23. I, so, it, overall, I mean, it wasn't a terrible pick. I did have a third round grade on him, so it's like it kind of made sense. But like it was more of just there was other guys that I'd prefer that we would have taken than him. And a couple of them that I had were AT Perry, the wide receiver from Wake Forest. We both definitely like him a we lot. Loved AT we loved AT Perry. AT Perry. He, he was, falls to the sixth round. Which was insane in my opinion. But, Agreed. Um other than A.T. Perry, like Michael Wilson from Stanford or Xavier Hutchinson. And these are and, and I'm not just spewing off just wide receivers that I like. These are guys that, you know, same physical build, can be deep threats. And it just we passed up on them. So I mean, overall, I ended up giving this one a grade. I didn't give any other ones a grade just because I was just it was like a it was like a C minus. Like it was just like, really? Like I know Haslam wanted them, but it just I didn't I didn't like it. I, that's great because I actually I gave all my picks grades and this one slotted in right at the C range. Yeah, I went just a, just a touch higher than you. I do think there's some redeeming qualities about him though. I think we focus a lot on the negatives here. I don't think it's an awful pick. I just don't know if I love it. I, he's got good burst off the snap. It's just the problem of that's really all he does off the snap. He either you know attacks a guy straight on with his physical build, just run right at him, or he gives a little bit of a hesitation step, and those are the two moves he gives. That's all he's got for breakoffs. You said it, the route tree is a little bit low. He's got spotty footwork at times. I mean, physical guys are going to kind of throw him around. And you said it, the speed's not there. And I think more importantly, the second burst really isn't there. When you need him to kick it back into gear and really accelerate, that's he just doesn't have it. I will say, though, Hendon Hooker is not one of my favorite quarterbacks. I think especially deep down the field, he has a lot of accuracy issues. And that's kind of how... Cedric Tillman was used on this Tennessee offense at times. They asked him to run a lot of those deep routes. And when he ran them, just in the tape that I watched, it seemed like every time he would break off and actually get open, Hooker overthrows him by five yards. He doesn't give him a chance. So I think there's there's a chance for him to succeed. And I don't know if it's going to be the takeover Donovan Peoples-Jones role, but I think there's room for him to at least come in and be – a rotational piece, you know, I think you do see a lot more four wide receiver sets on this team this year. I think they've talked about it, just ownership top to bottom, front office, that this team's going to pass more next year. Whether you like it or not, you know, I'm more of a, a run-first kind of guy when you got Nick Chubb in the backfield. But, you know, you also went out and paid Deshaun Watson to throw the ball to your receivers, and you're paying a couple receivers now. So you got to let them throw the ball, and Tillman – you know, they're going to throw him out there and see what he can do. Yeah, I, I personally just want to see him more in the role of like, okay, almost, this is, here's a throwback, Devontae Parker, where it's just like, that was that was my comp for him this year was just, I think he's more of like a Devontae Parker where it's just like, yeah, you could kind of use him as a deep threat. He's not that fast. You know, it, when he does break away, it's more of just he's reliable with his hands. Yeah, he's a good possession guy. Good possession guy. And I, I don't, he's not going to take the top off of any defense by any means. That's why you go out there and you get Elijah Moore to hope that he can be that guy. But... I mean, at most, I think he's going to be a wide receiver three. Um, do I want? Would I want a better wide receiver three in our in our lineup? Obviously, yeah. 
But the thing is, like, you can't complain. You just kind of hope that Elijah Moore does step up in that role and take over at least the wide receiver two part. But, I mean, yeah, it, it was – I'm not totally disappointed by it, but, I mean, it was just other guys we could have taken there kind of thing. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. I don't think – I was surprised by wide receiver, but you kind of touched on it too. This just felt like a draft where you're kind of just taking best available in your eyes and – Maybe this was the Haslam's eyes, but that's just kind of it. wasn't Wide receiver wasn't a dying need after you got Elijah Moore, but you just go out and take the guy anyway, right? But that pretty much wraps it up on Tillman. You got a C minus out of Dylan, a C out of me. We don't think they're terrible picks, but maybe not who we would have taken. Especially, I think the big part too is just that At Perry thought in our head. Maybe yeah. we're probably way too high on him oh, too. I was so high on him. I, <laughs> I had, was too. Yeah. I was a round two to three grade on he was my wide receiver seven in this class. I loved A. T. Perry in his film. I thought that he well and I, I, I watched a podcast with uh Brett Coleman and I he was just talking about just like schematics and stuff like that and you, you just saw that he just knew how to play the game of football. And it was just like man like all the like it he just seemed really underrated in my eyes, and I'm like, man, this this would be a cool like second, third round pick. Maybe we could snag him. I love Marvin Mims in this class too, but uh, obviously he, he went late in the second, so I'm like, okay, maybe At Perry. But then it just like, no, <laughs> it, it just wasn't there. And I was like, all right, well, I guess not. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it was overall, I can't complain. At least they're trying to address the need. Yeah, you, you want to go get an extra guy in that room, a taller guy with DPJ on the last year of his contract. That's what you got. Yeah, whether you like the pick or not, they're attacking. You know what's going to be coming up in the future, what they're going to have to fill in on. Right. But another third round pick coming in, they pick at ninety eight as well. They go ahead and uh, swap sides of the ball. They want to go after the defense. Jim Schwartz loves to stop the run, and this feels like a Schwartz pick. They go ahead and take interior defensive lineman. Siaka Ika from Baylor. I just hope I'm saying that right. I Ika was like I was I I heard about Rumbles. I know my buddies who also do like draft stuff. They, they were like, dude, you gotta you gotta check out Ika. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll, I'll I'll take a look. I turned on the film. I'm like, whoa, this dude is huge. I'm like, my lord, am I looking at like a Vita Vea? Like, holy crap, dude. Like, I. When I turned on the film, I was the thing that like caught my eye first was the fact that he was like agile for that size. Like it wasn't like he was just like, you know, really slow, like slow feet or anything like that. Like, no, he had power to him and a little bit of speed. I was I was really shocked by that part. Um big physical guy. Uh he's like you said, he's gonna fit nicely with that four man front that uh Schwartz likes to run. And I think the Browns did a great job of addressing the defensive line earlier in free agency. And then also bringing in more guys in the draft because we bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, and you're feeling a little, you're feeling pretty good about it. You're like, all right, well, more because that was our number one thing was like we need to stop the run, and you bring in Dalvin Tomlinson, you're feeling good about it, but then you add on more to it, and you bring in a huge guy from Baylor who's known for stopping the run. Um, a couple of things that I did not really like on the film, he does get his 
ass knocked down a couple of times and it's just like he's down and um I, I think that was one of the things that I didn't like he's he is gonna have to have a little bit of time to develop in my opinion um he does struggle at times like he's, you you talked about it a little bit on uh streaks talking streaks he does uh struggle at times to force like a little bit on to the quarterback he can sometimes he's shown that ability to pressure the quarterback um but there's other times where it just he, he doesn't show that too much so I mean overall though I I like that pick a lot I mean there was no other offensive tackles that I liked more than him um at that point so I mean I'd probably if I had to give it a grade I'd say like B plus A minus and this is this is probably the one pick we're going to disagree on I didn't realize it until I was watching film because this is a guy that I feel like I'm a lot lower on than everybody else. I do think he has a lot of potential, and I do think he can be a very good defensive tackle. But in terms of the immediate, I think he's got a long way to go. I think he's very raw. Uh, initial contact, as soon as he makes contact with an offensive lineman, head is straight down. Just no looking up at all. And listen, I got a lot of positives on this guy too. I think he manipulates who's blocking him very well. He doesn't take on double teams necessarily well, but he also does kind of stall up guys when they go to double him. He sheds guys off, slows down the offense lineman getting to the second level, and he also almost never gets beat when he's run, you know, defending the run. In run block, he's almost never getting pushed down unless that double comes. And he does get knocked down on that because he has a tendency to put his shoulders right on over his knees, and as soon as that second guy comes in, Welcome to the grass. The right. turf is right there. Yeah, and that, I, I, I mean that's what I said too. It's just he's. It seems like he's like down on the ground like a lot. And I, again, he's not going to be. Which, it's a it's a good thing that we at least address the line in free agency because then it, if we if this was our solution, we would have been screwed because he's just not ready yet. And I think he could develop into something like that. You know, we've we've had guys on that defensive front develop into, you know, these pretty solid players. So, I mean, I, your biggest fear is that he turned into like Danny Shellen and like he's right exactly just like oh maybe maybe this big guy really didn't work out, but I mean like if you if you do hit on this, you got yourself a Vita Vea. And yeah, I, no doubt. Which completely addresses that you you have congratulations you have stopped the run. Good job. So I mean, I, I I think it's obviously you never know with any of these guys coming out of the draft if they're going to actually excel in the league. You just pray for the best at this point. But I mean, overall, I I think A plus, not A plus, A minus, B plus kind of range. I didn't mind it too much. I think if you're looking at the immediate, which. It's kind of where I'm at because I feel like it's time to go now. I feel like you're in win-now mode if you're Cleveland. You're either adding depth or getting guys that make an impact. I'm probably looking more at like a, a C plus, B minus range for me just because, and again, I think he can be really good. I don't think, you know, I'm not throwing the guy under the bus. I don't think he's a bust. Right. But I just think in terms of immediate impact, he's got a little bit too much room to cover right now. I think there's some really big things to attack in his game, just gaps that are more mental gaps and like technique gaps that are going to take a little bit to break that habit. Yeah. So then I guess my question is like where would you have gone then with this pick? Do you have anything kind of in mind? I don't have a specific player in mind. I would have loved and we talked about it, it's a it's a really short-handed draft at safety. Yeah. But ah, the room just felt so short and they do address it after the draft. 
They go After get a couple, the draft. That's the key, though. Yeah, they go get a couple of guys as undrafted free agents, which we'll talk on towards the end. But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I want to see him go secondary help a little bit. I mean, we'll get into the guys that they do take. I don't want to, you know, like, get ahead of ourselves. Right. But I would have loved to see somebody with a little more promise here in the secondary to go and make an immediate impact than guys you got later on. Yeah. I, I When I think of that, I think of, like, someone like Jair Brown, the yep. kid from Penn State. Um, pretty sure Antonio Johnson was still on the board. I, th- I think he had, like, a huge slip. If I want it wrong. I think you're right. But, I mean, yeah, it it makes sense to go after and, and attack those positions. Like, we didn't have much depth there. Um, and I, it wasn't a value pick by all means. It was more of like, okay, we got to get someone in here to try to address it. Um, but, I mean, at this point, like, I, th- this was a really weak um, just depth for – the uh, defensive tackles, in my opinion. Um, I mean, my tackle seven, my defensive tackle seven was Moro Ojima, the kid from Texas. And I had like a round three grade on him. And he like almost went undrafted. He was a seventh rounder. And of course, the Eagles swooped him up and picked him. But, you know, so it was just, it just goes to show you that there was like no other guys really in this draft that could have that impact which it was like okay at least we got something in free agency and we our scouting department was like hey like we're gonna really have to address that because we cannot fix it in this draft and we'll talk about it. i think they and the guys that they picked up to at the end are guys that i could have easily see have Get been drafted yeah. so you know it's not necessarily a bad bad decision by them if you think those are guys that are going to get drafted and you can sign them after the fact and it's a win on your part, right? Pick up extra players at that point, yeah. Exactly. You didn't have to waste a pick on the guy, and you still get him. I, if that's you know your mindset going into it, and it worked out for you, then bravo. If maybe you feel like you got lucky, and he just somehow slipped away, and he wanted to sign with you, then yeah, bravo again. I mean, pat yourself on the back. But yeah, so I'm I'm probably gonna go just because I feel like we're in more of an immediate win now type mode. I feel like you know we got a couple of years under our belt that we can wait for it, but. It's got to start now. At some point, yeah. Like, you can't wait. Like, this isn't a you year where you lose, you know, the first round of the playoffs and you go, oh, we made progress. No, no, no. Like, it's it's a failure now. every year you don't get to the Super Bowl right now. Right. You're, you're paying Deshaun Watson what you're paying him, and everybody else is getting paid right around now, too. So, yep, it's now or never, pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. within the next couple of years. So that's the only reason I'm low on him. Again, I think Ika can be a really good developmental piece even within a year or two. It's just... Right now, I don't see it. Yeah, no. I, I agree. I mean, he's it's going to take some time. But that was it for the third round for the Browns. Next pick, 119th in the fourth. Again, this is another, I think, example of them going best available. They go ahead and take 6'8", 374-pound offensive tackle from Ohio State, DeWan Jones. And, I mean, those numbers should speak for themselves. I mean, dude, this dude, I mean... He is he I okay so like we talked about Ika being a big guy and stuff like that. He's even bigger. Like I was I because I was watching Paris Johnson film, you know, I'm watching him, I'm watching him and then my eyes start to stray a little bit. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, who's on the other side of him?" And then like I look it up and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is going to be like in the draft." And so then I started watching Dewan Jones and I I mean, I'm tuning into a bunch of Ohio State games obviously. But um yeah, I mean, dude, he's just 
dude. And uh, it, his wingspan was 88 inches. Like 88 inches. Well, I, I talked about this. I talked to my friend about this, too, because he was listening to Streaks Talking Sports when we were doing it. He liked the example, and I thought it was a good one. Wingspan, a hard thing to visualize. You say I say 88 inches, and you're like, okay, like what right. does that mean? John Jones, UFC fighter, three-time light heavyweight champion, known for having one of the longest wingspans. You know, mixed martial arts one of the only sports where you talk about wingspan and reach. He's just sitting at 85 inches. So this guy could step into an octagon with John Jones and play the distance game on him if he wanted to. Yeah, it's it's nuts, and it, that was a senior bowl record of like the longest wingspan that they've ever seen. And it, it and to go on top of that, him being just massive, and then he, there's a video of him dunking post draft. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, man! Like when you're in the fourth round and you could get someone that's just like that, just a, a freak. It's. It, it's a lot of value. And I know like we've had discussions about, you know, like, okay, what's going to happen with our offensive line with Jedrick Wills and just all these moving pieces and Conklin and stuff. But he comes in, I mean, you don't have to play him right away. That's the best part. It's just, he's going to, he, he's, there is going to be some development that you're going to have to do. Um, You do obviously have a concern with this weight. There was a little bit of heaviness on the feet. Um, So, but I mean, like, again, you just, you can't teach that size, you know, and you could teach those different abilities, uh, you know, trying to mechanically and stuff, but it's just like, man, like you, you can't pass up on that. And I I mean, I love the pick, especially to, we like, I think that our, it's, we do deal with a lot of injuries on that offensive line. And I think that goes unspoken most of the time, especially at the tackle position. I mean, Conklin and Wills feel like they're never 100% healthy. It's constantly with Wills the ankle and Conklin, it's always something new, not knocks on those guys. I mean, I think Conklin's one of the best tackles in the league when he's on the field. It's just they're not always there, right? So it's, I mean, so if you could get more depth into that room and be a guy where it's just like he could be a starter on any other team, it helps a lot. So, I mean, again, you don't have to play him immediately. I really like the pick. I gave it an A because I was just like, you know. I ended up just scrolling through and giving a bunch of grades and stuff. <laughs> Doing a little, like, uh, a little work mid podcast. Yeah, just yeah, you know why not? But no, I mean, I, I had like for example, like I had him in like the second round. So I like I thought that some team would take a swing on him at some point, but I mean, I guess in the fourth round we did. So I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is another. It's another A plus for me too. Yeah. I'm I'm right on top of it. I think you got a chance to get this guy in the fourth round. If he doesn't play, he doesn't play at this point. I mean, nobody's blaming you for taking the guy at that size. And we're really hammering on his size. He does a lot of things well, too. This is a guy who gave up zero sacks last year. He's top of the league in pass protection. Now, again, we talk about the weight concerns. He was a little slow on the feet. Does that change in the NFL that you're giving up zero sacks? Yeah, it does. When you're going up against guys like TJ Watt and you're a little bit slow, they're going to beat you. But that's like you said, he doesn't have to come in and start right away. If you can, you know, get a little bit faster, lose a little weight, you already have, you know, most of the technique down. It's not perfect. A couple of things that I had on him, uh, his footwork needs a lot of work. He tends to close up his legs a lot in his stance, which if anybody anybody is an offensive lineman, that if you're breaking them down, you like to see those guys keep a wide stance out. You don't want them to put their legs together because guess what? 
one little swim move or swipe and you're gone. You're gone. You're flying off the screen. Yep. So you like to see him keep that wide base. That was something that he really didn't do. And he keeps his hands high a lot, which, and this is a plus and a minus for him because he does put his hands high a lot. He gets them up near the neck and the head level of guys. But he has a really good move that he takes to it from being so large where it's just this two-handed like swipe down just immediately. And he brings guys down with it a lot. And it's not going to get called for a hold at college or the NFL level. It's just him overpowering guys from the top down. Right. Now, more skilled, bigger guys in the NFL, not going to work as often. But I think at that size, it probably still works quite a bit. Right. Well, and I also think, too, what if he gets a guy that's just super bendy and can get low? Say, like, you know, I'm just giving out a guy that was in the draft, like a Nolan Smith, where the dude just can get super low and just go right past that. You know, that's that's definitely a concern that you're going to have. Yeah, it definitely is. And then run block, you know, it was spotty here and there for him. He was really strong when he was able to advance up to the second level. If he was pulling or, you know, just got out ahead, didn't have somebody out on the edge right in front of him. He dominates guys like linebackers and secondary. I mean, how could he not? Right. But he sort of lacked the aggression in opening up holes when he did have somebody right there. It wasn't always, you know, that 100% effort you'd like to see. He would kind of just, you know, get in front of his guy and kind of stop him, but it was never the, you know, really dominate a guy blow the hole wide open and let your running back run. Yeah, you you definitely want to see more of like a physicality to it, especially with that size. And so it's it's a little bit of a concern because I mean there's there's guys where it's just like if they can flip that switch, it's like man, like they they're going to they're going to take over, but yeah, I think that eventually someone can develop that. So I'm not too concerned in that aspect, but it's definitely I'm going to I hope that eventually he'll be on that line to make an impact because I mean the dude is just massive especially too it's it's an Ohio State guy so yeah love to see the Buckeyes come around and uh kind of closing notes on him too Jedrick Wills signs to his fifth year extension with the Browns so that locks up yet another year after this one that Jed's going to be around and given the fact of an injury this is a guy who played right tackle pretty much the entire time he was at Ohio State except you know, people might not remember because he wasn't there all that often. His first two years as a Buckeye, he also played left tackle. This is a guy who's not coming in with zero experience on either side, which I think is a really big thing because people say, oh, you know, just swap your stance. You know, as an offensive lineman, you can go from it's right to left. a lot harder it's than that. It's so much harder, especially at the top level because guys coming off that edge, not everyone moves around. They're comfortable attacking that side. And it's, it's a whole different – it's like – you know, trying to bat right-handed and left-handed in a way. Yeah. As a baseball player standpoint, you know, you're not going to tell the guy to, you know, switch your hands on the bat and go and swing. Now, guess what? You're going to look like a fool. Right. Well, and the thing is, too, like, they purposely, they'll line up their best guys on a certain side, and it's usually on that left so that they yep. can be at that blind side. But, I mean, it's it's a very hard transition for most of those guys that just play right tackle where it's just like, okay, do you think they can actually play left tackle in the league? And, I mean, I, I – it helps that he's going to have that under his belt and coming in. So yeah, and I think depth wise too, just a guy who can fill in like with the line Both. who's hurt so yes. much, he can take either side of it and at least hopefully be serviceable at it. Right. So you know if you got a guy that can play two positions, talk about a guy that can stick around too. Right. I agree. But yeah, gets pretty much a an A and A plus out of me and Dylan. We like the pick there. Another pick in the fourth round, 126th overall. Again, flip the side of the ball. 
You're attacking the defense on the edge. Missouri, Isaiah McGuire, and I'm not going to lie, I'll say it right off the rip, I think this was my favorite pick in the draft from the Browns. Yeah, I and again, this was something where it was like, okay, you not necessarily needed a go after an edge like immediately because we did go out and sign Okonkawa. Um, but I still think that it doesn't hurt to have another piece in there. And the thing is with um, McGuire is just he was a very athletic guy that showed potential in both the pass and run uh, defense. Uh, you know, but there was some plays where I did get a little bit concerned, like you said, where it's just like he showed a little bit of unex- unexperience. Um, but I mean, overall, I, when you get a guy that could be that has a lot of potential in the fourth round, you really can't complain. Again, I, I loved his athleticism. He was quick off the edge. He can get after the quarterback. He had eight and a half sacks this year. Um, in 14 tackle for losses. So, I mean, the dude the dude can get after it, especially when you see that in the SEC coming from Missouri where, you know, he's not he's not on an Alabama or anything like that where it's like, you know, oh, it's pretty easy. Like, he's going against Alabama in that sense. So, I mean, I, I think that he could be definitely something that could have an impact, maybe even immediately too, you know, get in a newer rotation or something like that. But I, I really like the pick. Like you said, this this I think this could potentially be my favorite pick too. You know, I, I, I think that I think a late third round grade for me, I liked him a lot. But yeah, no, if he could put it together, he could be a serious force. Yeah, and I think his biggest thing it was what was talked about was his ability to pass rush, which Jim Schwartz does not blitz. If you go around, look at the statistics as him as a defensive coordinator or a head coach, his teams rank bottom of the league every single time in blitz percentage. But he does rely on that four-man front to go ahead and create some pressure. And I think this is a guy that fits the mold for him. It's from the edges normally. Your D tackles, he lets them shine, but they're typically run stuffers. Yeah, Right here, a guy that can just go in, focus on rushing the quarterback, and that's what he does best. Listen, and all the weaknesses I have down on him, and maybe I'm blind to it, but they're all pretty much things that I think are inexperienced, as you said, and a guy who's young. I have over-reliant on his bull rush. He goes to it a lot. But a guy that's young doesn't have that like big of a you know move set, and he, it lets him work in college. He lacks strength. When you step up to the next level, you get older, and you get to the NFL weight rooms. I think you're going to put on some muscle as long as you do things right. It's just going to happen. He gets caught in between on plays from time to time, you know, just not knowing whether he should sort of contain when he hits the gap and really fill it or if he should go and just attack the running back on run plays especially. I think that's a maturity thing. I think that's just, you know, the longer you're in, playing at the higher level, that's something that your coach is going to let you hammer through and just, you know, really put it into your brain. And the one thing... It's maybe a little harder to to give up, but I think it's just an aggressive trait that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. When he blitzes, at times he loses contain in what he's doing. You don't always necessarily need to go ahead and just beat your guy and get past him because guess what? The quarterback just spins the other way, and now the whole side's blown wide open. I saw him do that quite a bit. Yeah. But, again, I think that's just a guy who going out there trying to make the play. He gets to the quarterback enough to... You look at it and you go, ah, I see what he's trying to do, but you just like to see a little bit more patience. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that, and I definitely saw that he relied a lot on his bull rush. Um, I think that it was a 
I, but that's like something where it's just like you said, like you can easily teach that. You can teach mechanics. You can teach them a couple moves. If you get him a couple moves to that arsenal, it makes it a lot easier because now he has that bull rush, and then he has a couple of moves too to his arsenal. And I just, I think that he's gonna be a guy where it's just like he fell to you, and it was like, oh man, like this, this could help a lot in the long run. Yeah, it was a guy that I think again is just like another best available pick. You're sitting there, you're staring, you go. Well, stop letting him drop at this point, right? right? Like, he's good enough to the point where he should be gone now. And, Let's just get him. And it, and it just so happens, to where it's like, okay, yeah, it does kind of fill a need on that front seven that we needed. So Yeah, and if you have any questions about whether or not they're taking best available in their eyes, strap in for the fifth round right here because uh, pick 140 coming up, and the Browns go ahead and they take quarterback out of UCLA, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and I think we're kind of on the same page for this one. Love the prospect. We're a little bit questionable of the pick at first, but have come to like it a little bit more. Yeah, so Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, the QB out of uh, UCLA, I loved his film. I'm going to talk about more of just him itself first. Um, he, going from 2021 to 2022, I think I saw a lot of improvements, and I think it was – help from the coaching staff I think the offense got a little bit more simplified for him he wasn't having to take that deep shot or go through too many progressions it was more of just okay right here this is what we're going to do and you see that a lot with guys like Jalen Hurts where it helps him a lot where it's just like okay they get in a new offensive coach to really help him out and I I think that with him, there was so many traits that I liked about him. I loved his arm. I loved his ability to move out of the pocket. I think overall, he was a guy where it's just like, he could be like a Jalen Hurts where it's, you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. Not, not, yeah. <laughs> not like Jalen Hurts. I know, and I said it on, on uh, Streaks Talking Sports. It's just, it's just one after the contract that he right. got, and he's, you know, been in the Super Bowl. It's one you feel better about that comparison prior to last year. Right. But I, I know what you're saying. Where but it's just like if it's he just, has, those are ones where people are right. gonna hit you with the the pump the oh, brakes no, right I, there I for sure. Completely agree. But it's just like you know he has if he's a guy where it's just like if he has everything around him working for him, he could be a really good guy in this league. And I I, I mean I had a third round grade on him for a reason. Like there's there's stuff to it. There's a lot of upside that I love about him. And I think that it it's one of those things where you know. From looking at it from the Browns' perspective, you're not gonna. He wasn't a guy where he's gonna start immediately. I thought that right away. He needed to sit behind it, kind of like a Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts, where he took some time on the bench. But either way, like when I talked about it, like the thing is, what could kill most of these playoff teams? It's the fact that their quarterback goes down. If Patrick Mahomes goes down, that team isn't how they are supposed to be. They're not going to the Super Bowl. Same with Jalen Hurts. Same with Joe Burrow. Same with any other of those teams. So when you look at that, you think of something like, okay, if we can get a high-level backup that can at least steer the ship for us and play maybe like a top-20 quarterback or something like that, it helps a ton. And so I think that when we look at it from that perspective of like, okay, if Deshaun Watson ever goes down, he's a great scheme fit. He knows that we he could play that ability of, you know, taking that deep shot or something like that, or then going, you know, being a little bit agile and, you know, scrambling and stuff like that. So I think that overall, like, I mean, it, 
wasn't really that bad of a pick in like the philosophy, especially in the fifth round where it's just like, you know, just in case like if the worst comes, like you can potentially get a guy that can steer the ship win those playoff runs. Yeah, it was uh it was one again, I think as soon as the pick went out, I I texted you something along the lines of a quarterback with, you know, exclamation points and uh question marks all in there. I was uh, really confused. But a couple days go by. I'm like, all right, I'll, let me start watching film on this guy. I'd seen him play a little bit in college, UCLA, early in the year, looking really good. I'd seen a couple of their games from that, but I was like, all right, let me break it down, actually look at him, you know, stop looking at it from a fan perspective and break it down by film. I think I went through two or three games and I looked down. I didn't have a weakness down. I was just staring at this, you know, it was a guy who he moves really well. He's got great play action sleight of hand. He's just such a late pull, and it's a guy that, and I talked about this too when we were on air on Tuesday, it was a guy that almost emulates the play style of Deshaun Watson, and I want to be cautious in saying that because he is not Deshaun Watson. That's not what I'm saying, but he does have a similar play style to him in a lot of aspects. It's not the deep throws that you're going to get out of Deshaun, but he does, he's a dual threat quarterback. He can throw, he can run. I think one of the big concerns with him was accuracy. He completed almost 70% of his passes this year. Yes, dude, as part of their play style, a lot of short passes, but anytime your quarterback throws 70%, you know, right into his receiver's hands and they're coming down and, you know, getting yards out of it, I don't think you can be mad. Had his fair share of interceptions, kind of lost guys in coverage at times, but ends it with a 27 to 10 touchdown interception ratio. I mean, when you're sitting around that three mark, that's. That's right where you want to be. Yeah, and I, I mean, I do think that the, the accuracy was a concern. I did see that a lot in this 2021 film where there was a lot of just misses overall, like layups or just deep shots. But, I mean, 2022, it seems it did seem like he did take a little bit of a step forward in that aspect. But, I mean, again, like, you almost think of it like, who is he, one, who is he throwing to? And, and that, why... Not that many people at UCLA. I mean, he did have Kyle Phillips in 2021 and Jake Bobo, but, like, I mean, Jake Bobo went undrafted. So it kind of just shows that, like, I mean, it's not ter- – like, it, it, it wasn't – I can see the perspective behind it, and I don't mind the pick at all. Um, it was almost more of just, like, I wanted to see him go to a team just, like – like, hey, he could potentially start at some point to take over. But, you know, obviously with Deshaun being here, I'd rather have the proven commodity and stuff. But, no, I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense why they did it. Yeah, and when you get these guys, as I was saying before, that emulate that play style, like you said, he's not Deshaun. But when you play like that, you don't have to switch up your playbook. You just have to refine it, comb it back, take, you know, the more complicated plays out of it and – let your guy feel comfortable in the playbook that he's been watching all year long and practicing in practice already. I think it's a great pick. It wasn't the one initially that I thought I liked, but after sitting down and watching things, when you consider him that you got him in the fifth round, I think at that point, late in drafts, you should stop drafting for need at some point and just look at it and go, is Get there a guy value. here? Yeah, is there a guy here that's just better than everybody else yeah. and we can't look past it? Right. No, I completely agree in that sense and I think that's what they got yeah but you know it also was a weird position for them and I think they kind of flipped these picks backwards in a way because 
They go and get the quarterback first, and it ended up working out because I believe the Vikings trade up for the next pick. Very possibly could have been DTR there. I was, yeah, I I thought that they could, because they were definitely in the market to take a quarterback. They ended up going with Jaron Hall, which I didn't mind as well coming out of uh, BYU. But no, I mean, they there was a potential chance that they could have went with DTR there. But initially wasn't their pick. It was the Colts that came after them. So I was throwing question marks all over right. the place. I was like, why a quarterback here? Colts aren't taking a quarterback. Right. When the Vikings trade into it, you know, it could have been, you know, you hear things around, oh, the Vikings are coming for the pick. You're like, all right, let's secure the guy that we want there. But just took one more pick after that Vikings pick, and you're back on the clock. You go ahead and you take cornerback, which is what I would have taken – had it been the Colts there, but you go to Northwestern cornerback Cameron Mitchell, and this is probably going to be one of my lower grades in the draft, albeit in the fifth round. Yeah, um, so Cameron Mitchell, I didn't get around to watching him, um, which kind of concerns me a little bit because I did watch 20 cornerbacks this year. Um, but I ended up watching the film, and there there was some stuff that I did like about him. He does play, he does play physical at times. Um, he did have some decent stats. Uh, only one interception this year. It not, I mean, it's nothing that's going to really light up the screen or anything like that. But, I mean, yeah, the the thing is, like, what I noticed was he is athletic, um, which in the fifth round, if you're taking a shot at a cornerback, you would try to want to see an athletic guy. And, um, I mean, he does lack some size. Um, being at 5'11", playing outside corners, it, it is a current concern, like you said. Um, but overall, I mean, like, when you're in the fifth round, again, I don't mind looking after a trait. And then also, too, Greg Newsom did play with them, um, which kind of helps a little bit of morale there. Um, been a little rocky with Greg Newsom. Yeah, it's stuff. been here or there with him. Right. So, Especially I mean, as of late. Getting in one of his friends there, it, it, it helps a lot, I feel like. But, no, I mean, it, it's it's a good depth pick at least. Um, maybe he could develop into something. Again, you're just taking – it's like dart throws right now, you know, like which one hits, which one doesn't. So, I mean, it's not a bad pick at all. I think, again, it's like one of those things when we go back to like the Tillman where it's just like what else was on the board there. And I think there was a couple of guys that I liked there that they could have went with. Instead, they went with Mitchell and it wasn't bad, but, you know, it overall, like it, I could see the philosophy behind it. I would have liked to see him add a linebacker at this pick. Yeah. There were there were some guys on the board that I think could have made an impact, but you know, it's it is what it is. I think the problem here, we talked about size. He's small, he is physical, and I think he's really good at point of catch. He had nine pass deflections. And I one of the main tapes that I watched on him, I watched every snap from the Ohio State game. Granted, I do know that it was raining and very windy in this game. It was a bad day, yeah. It was a very bad day, but on throws that had been right there, he was constantly breaking them up. I mean, yeah. he looked really good. My problem is you're 5'11", and he really doesn't have that much speed. He's a slower guy. He's physical, but, you know, the weaknesses I had on him, slow off of breakoffs, which that's putting you down an advantage, doesn't have the speed to catch up when he's beat, and the size department, again, 5'11", you're going to get tossed around by outside guys, so... And, again, we talked about it. I think size is overrated, and he is physical. He really jams guys well at the line. But I like my guy, if they're 5'11", to be a little quick. Yeah. If you're going to get, you know, like maybe you're going to get beat at the line by a bigger guy, then you make up for it because you're faster than him, and that's just not Mitchell here. And, again, 
you're breaking down a fifth round pick here. These guys typically aren't going to be, you know, I'm not going to like everything you look at them. That's why they're going in the fifth round. Right. But it, it's it was questionable. Of, yeah. And it's more of like, okay, there's different guys that exactly. we're still on the board kind of thing. And I, I mean, it, I did see because I think it was the relative athletic score um, posted by Math Bomb on Twitter. Um, it was in the eights, which means basically that you, it's, your athletic he combines all your numbers, and you get a num- number based off of all the other guys in the just have been in the draft and what how athletic you are compared to them. It was in the eight, so I mean it's not anything. It was it's it's which is a well above average. So I mean it's not anything terrible, but again, like it's more of like okay, is that just testing or film? Because film tells a different story, kind of thing, like you said. So I mean, I overall it was. Again, just not something that you're really looking at. But Yeah, know. and late into the show to be saying this, but I put a lot less emphasis on a lot of those combine stats. I feel like the combine, a place that's really overrated, you want me to attack a guy early in the draft that I think benefited way more from the combine than he should have? Anthony Richardson, say what you will about him, he's a good runner. I, I watched him throw the ball when he was sitting at Florida. It just wasn't a pretty sight to see. And goes fourth overall just because, you know, he's a guy that can really move and he's got good strength on him and good running style. And when you see Jalen Hurts, it's not a not a hard fact to overreact at that. But I just think film shows a lot more in my eyes. That's where I like to focus on. Which but there are things that in the combine you like to see. You know, I like to see bench press. I think it shows a lot. It's, you know, sometimes inflated depending on position, but the forty yard dash, you know, if for nothing more is entertaining to see how fast guys are and especially for wide receivers corners really tells you a story yeah no i, I mean i i agree but you know it we'll see what happens kind of thing what when that goes yeah it, it'll all see on mitchell it's just not a guy that i'm high on coming out of it but you know we say i've said it before and i'll say it again only time will tell with these draft picks so many people will come out here including us and talk up and down on these guys and then you they know show us up there's a reason the account freezing cold takes exists because of people like us that are going to go out and say stupid things and get proven wrong. Yep. Which is fine. That's, you know, we like to do it. You yeah. know, we feel a lot better when they go right than when they go wrong. Obviously. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll take our wins and our losses and, you know, focus more on our wins just like everybody else in the sports media world. But fifth round's over. Brown's got one more pick remaining. Sixth round, pick 190. They go out, bolster the offensive line once again. Luke Wepler. Played center at Ohio State. Also could definitely switch over to the guard position, so I think you get multi-talented guy there, but a little undersized. Yeah, well, and the thing is, like, with Wepler, you know, people were like, oh, well, why did we just draft Wepler when we have Posick? And it was just like, well, I think he's not going to be playing center for us. I think that he even said himself, like, it's probably they talk to him and they're it's most likely going to be a move to guard. Um which I'm not too concerned then if he's a little bit undersized, um, but you did see in the film where he did kind of get a little bit manhandled by a couple of guys. But like overall, I mean, with him being a smaller guy, you do see some quickness with him. Um, so I overall, but like the thing is, like I mean, I had a third round grade on him, and it's just like you snag him in the six, like you can't beat that, especially too. Like we we talked about earlier, like our offensive line just takes a beating usually, and if you can have a guy in there that can just 
at least be reliable to play either center or guard. It helps a lot. Yeah, and this was, of course, after I get done, you know, bashing on the combine stats. I'm going to bring him up a little bit here. Right. But <laughs> it's a guy where if you looked at his athleticism and his production scores on the combine statistics, which, you know, takes account into film and everything else as well in the production category. But you look at the guys that went above him, they're going second, third round. And he was, I mean, neck and neck in scores. If you go look, he's pretty much right there with all those guys. It just comes down to a slight size thing that I think might be blown up just a little bit. But also, he's younger than almost every single center taken in this draft. He's coming out as a sophomore. Yeah. This, this is a guy, a redshirt sophomore. He's got three years under him, guys. Don't, you know, we know, right. I mean, we know the rules. NFL, nobody's breaking them here, all right? Right. But, yeah, it's a guy that he's had his three years, but it's he's young. And he's a little bit undersized, but athleticism wise you could have seen him go i think in the third round at least yeah no i mean like you you had the third round grade on him and i don't think you're wrong for it and it's no. a guy again hammer at home best value a guy that you think should go higher you get him in the sixth okay right when then why would you go and reach on a position that you may need when they shouldn't even be getting drafted there and um like we go into like these like undrafted guys here in a couple seconds i mean like you see it where it's just like, yeah, we did need a need, and we got at least a guy, and it was just like, well, I mean, you didn't even have to use a draft pick for him. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that you got to really kind of consider your draft mindset and, like, what you're going to go in with your philosophy, and I think that it just going tackling the value is more important than needs later in the draft. Yeah, not to mention he's quick, he hits gaps fast, and it's not a guy you're asking to play. He's not going to go start at center. Again, that's Pochich there. Also, Nick Harris has shown a lot of promise before Pochich come in. Yep. So you got two guys good there. And then looking, Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller aren't going anywhere right, right now. So those are two guys who you're definitely you know putting on the line anytime they're healthy. So it's more of a depth play again. But you know, I, again, I think he'll be just fine when it comes yeah. down to it, especially as a rotational piece. Um, but again, that pretty much wraps up the picks. That was all seven of the picks that the Browns made. They didn't stop there, though. Of course, the end of it, of the draft, is kind of a hectic process as well. They go ahead and uh, jump on some undrafted free agents, and it's a really hectic process. The Browns went out and signed, I mean, a handful of guys. We're not going to really break down. I don't think most of them here will talk about a couple of the ones we like, mention the names of others, but I think one of the key names to focus on, Hassan Hall, running back out of Georgia Tech, I didn't really get around to watching much film on him. I saw some of his stats. He's a fast, like, outside burst runner, which I think would serve well in the role that he could get used in, potentially. Uh, the running back two spot's kind of open right now. you think it goes to Ford if I think that's pretty much a given at this point. They really like him. But, you know, if you're going to slot into the RB2 spot, that's kind of what you need. Chubb's going to be your workhorse. He's going to be the, you know, between-the-tackles runner when you need him. You gotta need a guy on the outside. The only problem I had was he wasn't much of a pass catcher in college. Yeah, um, I mean Hall was okay. I don't I don't know if he's gonna make the roster or not. Um, when I watched this film, I I mean he probably I I mean I watched thirty running backs and he was not one of them. Which again goes to show you where it's just like no one really was looking at him. And you you do see though like some guys get drafted like running back wise. Where it's just like I didn't even like watch him, you know, but. Other than that, I mean, yeah, like you said, could kind of get outside to tackles and stuff like that, but I just, 
nothing special. I don't think he makes a roster. Um, if we're going to look for our running back two, it's should have been tackled earlier in the draft. But, I mean, it, it sounds like they have enough confidence in Ford to be that guy. Yeah, I, I think there's full confidence in him going there. Just if there's a position you're filling, it is, you know, technically the RB2 spot. I think that's kind of what you're playing for. RB3, you're not really getting in the game. We've no. seen that with this offense. Dearness you had Jonathan, Dearness Johnson. Yeah. He only came in for an injury. And right. Even with, you know, incredible production, it didn't make a difference. Right. Um, tear through a couple of the other names. Thomas Greeny from Albany, a tight end. Don't really expect him to make the roster. And if he does, I know nothing about him. Yeah. Um, Lonnie Phillips, an interesting name. Edge from Kansas. Again, not a guy I watch film on, but there was a little buzz around him. Yeah, there's some buzz. Um, there was a lot of people that thought he would at least go in the seventh round. Um, I Kind of that hybrid edge of uh, edge linebacker kind of thing. Uh, I would – I don't know if he's going to make the roster. I think out of all these guys, he's in the top two of like who I think you should watch out for. Um, and, you know, who knows, because it, someone can make rumbles of camp and stuff like that. But overall, I mean, like, it, nothing really that popped out out of the film for me. Um, but, I mean, if if we're going to talk about a guy that could potentially make the team, I think he could be one of those guys, especially in that edge role. Yeah, I, I, he was probably easily in my top three of guys that might make the roster here. Uh, you get a DN, Jeremiah Martin out of Washington. You know, forgive me for my pronunciation on this name. I'm going to try. Linebacker Mohamed Diabate, I believe, out of Utah. It sounds right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. Linebacker Utah, you can look up the name. You know, correct me if I'm wrong somewhere, some way. Um, Georgia Tech linebacker as well, Charlie Thomas. You get a cornerback out of Boise State and Caleb Biggers. And then the names start coming through. Two safeties out of Ohio State. The lesser being Tanner McAllister and the one who I think we all expected to go in the draft was Ronnie Hickman. Yeah, Ronnie Hickman did get a fifth-round grade for me. I really liked Ronnie Hickman um, kind of as a late-round guy. Um, not Nothing really like an elite trait, like I said, but just overall a solid player. Um, and especially, too, with the needs of like us not having much depth – as the um in the safety room, I, I think that Ronnie Hickman is definitely a guy that we could see going to make this roster and be the one guy. He's the top guy where I think like okay, like he could he can make it. And um again, like Ohio State guy too, it kinda helps. You know, you're two hours down the road. It it's like, you know, kind of already figured that, you know, you've watched him plenty enough. So it, I think that I'm excited for that one. And it's a good story, too, being an Ohio State guy. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you, by the way. My number one guy out of these signings that, honestly, I expect him to make the roster, if we're yeah. being honest. He might be an undrafted free agent, but I think he makes the cut. Yeah. Especially with, as you said, the need at safety that we have. Last guy, just want to touch on him really quick because I think it's kind of a cool story. Cornerback. Anthony Kendall from Division Three, Baldwin Wallace. Me and you being from John Carroll from the OAC. Interesting story. And uh, Baldwin Wallace in Berea, Ohio. So he practically gets to go from college just to walk across the street and go to the training facility. Yep. And I mean, yeah, it's it's a really cool story to see that. Um, 
especially to being a, you know, Division three. You don't see that very often, but you know, I mean, we've seen him enough. So it, he tested really well. Like I really saw his, well at like, the combine. Yeah, I was like, dang man. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it is cool to see that kind of stuff. I don't know if he does make the roster or not, but overall, just a really cool story. Yeah, nevertheless, he got an invite. To, he's a mini camp invite, pretty much, and uh, I think he got one with the Jets as well. So, yeah. you know, seeing looks, something sometimes you see out of these D3 guys usually don't pan out, but a story to watch just for the fun of it. Good story, feel good one. For sure. Uh, but that pretty much wraps it up on uh, on this draft. Not done yet, do have a little bit of a, Not a fun, this, take, yeah. fun take coming up. You know, this draft is completely over, but... We have a better draft for yeah, you guys. The, the, <laughs> the draft uh, has not been a kind process to Cleveland as a whole. Lots of mistakes made there, so we're going to kind of transition into a little bit of draft of our own. Dylan and I will be trading back and forth on picks that we found to be the worst ever taken in Cleveland sports history. Dylan, uh, why don't you kick it off? You you get the 1-1 this time in honor of the first episode. <laughs> First overall, bust of the bust. If you're not picking Johnny Manziel, I don't know what you're doing. He wasn't my one one, so he didn't steal. He wasn't my. He 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 would have been. He would have been my second round, but he was very high. He was very high. Okay, all right, all right. right. A little bit of there's our first disagreement on the board. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, come on. We agreed this whole episode. This is where we can yell a little bit. Of course, right. right. Uh, No, I mean like this dude. Like there were so many people that were like, "This is going to be the franchise," and like. I mean, I was so young, so young at the time, and I was just like, are you serious? Like, I, I knew he wasn't even going to pan out because he was just, I mean, granted, he was so fun to watch in college. I Electric runner, but, like, I just, I did, it was, it made no sense. And then people saying that, like, he's going to be bigger than LeBron, like, really? <laughs> the hype around it, should, it, it justifies the 1-1. One, one. I'll, I'll give you that. It's just, like... And then he goes out there and, like, dude, like, he's – I don't even know, like, what he's doing now. The last thing that I've heard of him was, like, he threw a touchdown in that, like, fan control football yeah. league. And he, like, started to smoke a pack. I was just like, this is hilarious. But yeah. I was just like, you really, like, try to go out there and pick Johnny Manziel to be the franchise guy. Like, it was almost like a Tim Tebow thing where it's just like, dude, like, you know he's not going to be good in the NFL. He was good in college and that was it. And I was just – I mean, it, it – at least gave us a lot of laughs with the, you know, the money man sell. Oh, yeah. I, I remember one time I actually, I was at a tribe game. It went back when there were the, the Indians. <laughs> I got on the Jumbotron and I did that like a couple of years after that and I got booed after it. <laughs> there it so is. So it was like, oh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that, I, yeah, just I mean, one of the worst of the worst. Yeah, he's definitely near the top. I, I had some, uh, a little, a couple notes on him that I think you'll find fun if you being your number one. Uh, Obviously, he had off-field concerns coming into the NFL, yeah. and those uh, those showed, showed through. Before he even stepped on the field, he was fine in a preseason game for giving Washington players the bird. I remember that yep. one. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, he uh, eventually made his way up to the starter in his first season, uh, or I believe it was second season, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say it was the first season. Wasn't it might it have been for, I, the Bills I, game. Yeah, I don't know if I have it down exactly. I didn't have what year it was. It was first or second year. He eventually made his way to the starter. It might have been the first year. But during the bye week, reports came out that he was partying, and video surfaced, and then he was downgraded to the third string, eventually makes his way back up into the starting role, 
gets injured, gets a concussion, and misses the check-in with the team position. And the, this was just the best quote. This is how uh, I'll end it off on Johnny Manziel. Tom Withers from Associated Press wrote, Johnny Manziel's tightest spiral with the Browns was a downward one. Yep. And that's <laughs> literally how you explain yeah, it. Yeah, that was the best quote I could have gotten. Yeah. But yeah, Dylan, you take uh, Johnny Manziel one one, and I tell you, he didn't uh, he didn't crack my one one spot, and for one reason, the Browns had two picks in the first round that year. Oh, you're gonna go with them? I'm gonna go I with was gonna, the eighth oh. pick, Justin Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, gotta cut in here really quick. Did not mean to say. Justin Gabriel it was Justin Gilbert had the name correct right in front of me. I just can't read, so you're gonna have to ignore it for the rest of this segment. Sorry about it, but now back to the show. And there's just a story behind that one. The Browns pick number four in that draft. They trade down to nine, and then trade up to eight. And two years later, he's traded for a sixth round pick. But that's not even the worst part. The worst part is that he was in the sandwich of 12 straight guys who have made a Pro Bowl. Three picks above him, nine picks under him, all made the Pro Bowl. Justin Gabriel, out of the league in three years. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that you go from four to nine to eight. Like, who are you jumping in that? Like, it just made no sense. You want to know who they jumped in that? They jumped over... The Minnesota Vikings, who ended up taking Pro Bowl linebacker Anthony Barr. <laughs> a couple I, of other names. I got to throw out a couple of these. Khalil Mack. Do it. Yeah. Khalil Mack goes in that range. Mike Evans, Anthony Barr, as I said, Taylor Lewan, Odell Beckham Jr., Aaron Donald, Ryan Shazier, Zach Martin, CJ Mosley. You could literally have just picked any of those guys and just been completely fine. Like, I just, I, it's just the Browns' luck to be swinging on a guy. And it just turned out to be, like, the one that just isn't a Pro Bowl. <laughs> like, are you awful, kidding me? Right? Awful, 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 And that's why he's my 1-1. One, one. I, I mean, 12 straight guys. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, okay, I thought, I was like, all right, that, that makes sense. I think one of the, this, he was part of probably the worst draft class that I, I've ever seen by us. <laughs> Who takes a quarterback when they're 28 years old? That's Brandon Whedon. <laughs> I, oh man, I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, I, he comes, it was, um, he came out of, uh, it was Oklahoma State, right? Oklahoma State, after having trying to play pro baseball, by the way. Yeah. And so failing at that already. He, I, I don't even know at that point how eligible you are, like, like, I didn't know the rules either. It made no sense. You're you're like in your 18th year. Yeah, we didn't enter the um into Oklahoma State. Um, he after a five year baseball career. Yeah, like just just like, and then he like, I, he didn't do anything really. Uh, four thousand two hundred seventy seven passing yards, thirty four touchdowns, thirteen interceptions, which I mean, which not too bad in 2010, and then he started to kind of just fall off after that and just I, I don't know like it was a good story at the time because you know he's a, a, a making from the the MLB to a quarterback but you don't take a, 
guy that's mm. 28 years old. I mean, we have concerns about dudes that are like 24, 25 in the draft yeah. now, and then you're talking like 28. Like, no, that's like a grown man at that point. Like, so you, half your career's over pretty right. much. Right. So <laughs> talk I, about a talk about a guy who gave you confidence too. Start number one, he throws four interceptions. Yeah. Ding ding ding! You found the guy to get rid of. That was that was a horrible pick in my opinion. Yeah. No, I was that was actually going to be my next pick. Yeah. You went ahead and jumped over me, and um, I think at this point we're letting the draft pick slide, and it, it pains me to take it because it really does suck. We're going away from football on this one. Oh, don't Hopping take over him. to the Cavaliers. Oh, don't take it's him. just not that bad, but I gotta go for it. Anthony Bennett with the oh, first pick. You, I knew you were gonna take him. In 2013, <laughs> I gotta stop the slide on this because he didn't make a shot for five games to start his career. <laughs> I mean, this guy was abysmal. And the worst part about it was he wasn't the consensus number one. No. Not everybody was wrong. No. Cleveland was wrong. And the only reason I think that this is a, an overrated bad pick, but I can't let it slide, is this draft class sucked. Yeah, the that's 2013 the class was really bad. Granted, I would have rather had Victor Oladipo as my number one pick, who ended up going the next pick. But as a whole, I mean, you can literally look like picks one through ten almost, I think, are just not good. It and was then an you get abysmal to like, class. Yeah, you I get to like that. CJ McCollum at 10. Which and then I think Giannis at fifteen, but they're just not guys that were going to go number one. No, not at all. I that was. I mean, we got rid of him, and I believe he was in the Kevin Love trade, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. He went to. He ended up getting traded uh, to Minnesota for Kevin Love. Yeah, I mean, not just him, but he was in the package. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a Whoa. steal! Yeah, <laughs> but top ten steals. No, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it was just I. I don't know. I, that was such a sad one where it's just like, you know, like Johnny Manziel, like I didn't, it, it like it was like, okay, well, obviously, you know, but it was just like, yeah, this one, Anthony like, Ben was the guy you wanted to root for, too. right? Like, it was, it was like, was like oh, they gotta be right because, right. like, you know, who else would jump him? And you were just mad at the start, and then it, you hate when those ones come true, right? Where you're just like, you're mad at him for the pick, and you're like, duh, like, right. what did you see? Yeah, I, I mean, oh well, but. We're going to go. I'm going to, I think, I'm debating. I'm, like, switching up my board, like, midway through. The big so, board is up. It's yeah. flying around. The it's, picks are making yeah, I don't think. Know. Uh, so what? I got yep, two, three. Three more picks. Yep. You, you got Johnny Manziel so far and uh, Brandon Whedon. Quite the star power. I'm going to take my third straight quarterback. Uh, I take, know where you're going with this, too. We just talked about him. Yep. Sorry to all my Notre Dame fans out there, but Brady Quinn, you're on you're you're officially a bust. Man, um, he sucked. He sucked, dude. Um it, it, I mean, he was part of that long string of just like we could not find a quarterback. Um Brady Quinn drafted with the twenty two selection. Like the thing is, like, why were we just like always picking like the quarterbacks later in the first round? And like Okay, not just late in the first round. Pick twenty two. Yeah. Brandon Whedon, 22. Johnny Manziel, 22. Brady Quinn, 22. Stop drafting at 22. You have Stop bad it. luck. At least trade out of it or something like that. Give this good luck or something like that. It just... It, 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 trade back. I don't care if you give up a second to trade back one spot just so it's not 20 seconds. Right. Like, it's just... Oh, my Lord. Like, it, you just know that your success rate with that pick is just not good. So, just try to fix it at some point. But, um, I mean, he was, a, he was really good in college. I'll give him that at Notre Dame. But... I mean, he was three and nine as a starter with ten touchdowns and nine interceptions. Like, 
No. No. He sucked. This he this was lower on my board, and I'll tell you why, though. This was – Brady Quinn had, like, top 10 aspirations coming into that draft, and the Browns let him slide originally. It was kind of a Manziel pick, too, like – Oh, we let him slide, but I think Brady Quinn had a little bit higher like upside, at least from an outside perspective. What, and they're he, number three. He pick wasn't this year. a party animal. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, he was, <laughs> He's at, actually uh, he was well put together. Dame. Yeah, right. Um, so, but they're number three pick that year, Joe Thomas too. So it's like ah, you got the draft half right. You but at least I agree. got that yeah, one. But Quinn you sucked, just I mean adds to the freaking swinging and missing. Like my <laughs> lord, dude. Oh yeah. Uh, Browns fans going to be happy with your list right now. Yeah. The, the three you got are practically three of the worst quarterbacks to ever touch the NFL. Yeah. So Just uh, thought I'd add up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to take another quarterback, and I guarantee you this guy isn't on your list. And I could let him fall to five, but I just really like the story. 1954. Oh my okay, this goodness. is a little education oh, stat. Boy. I'll be honest, I did not know this one going in. I was just you know looking up bad picks and. I saw 54, and I was like, oh, you know, who's paying attention then? Bobby Garrett goes first overall in the 1954 draft. He never plays a single snap as a Cleveland Brown, and you know why? Why? Because he was a quarterback with a stutter. He couldn't spit it out. He could not spit it out, and it stopped him from starting in the NFL, and he was the number one pick. I, he couldn't spit out the play, and he couldn't get on the field. Are you serious? <laughs> that is the only reason I'm going here. And again, I could have went with a steal. This would have been a great number five, but I can't let it slip. I, it's such a good story. Oh, my goodness. That just explains. Like, you, I don't know, like, what, what was it, 59? 54. 54. Like, I don't know if they, what the draft, like, entitled at that point. Like, do they do interviews? Like, do you know this guy has a stutter? Like... Oh my goodness. That just, it, it, and it makes total sense by the Browns to take a guy with a <laughs> All the way stuff. back in 54. That couldn't man. spit out the plays. <laughs> All the and way you back think, in 54. I, oh man, I don't know. And there's like, obviously, you can't have like anything else where, like, I don't know, maybe like have. I don't know. Like, there's no technology in 54 to, like, be able to, like, recite it to anyone else and stuff with the stutter. But, like, oh my goodness. It just, that makes it so. It makes so much sense. It makes so much sense that the Browns would take a guy like that. Um, all right. Well, my guy, I'm going to stop drafting quarterbacks right here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> this is solely because of hard knocks. Oh. <laughs> Corey Coleman. <laughs> yes. So, uh, 2016, round one, pick 15. I mean, let's just – pulling up the 2016 NFL draft – like, you're thinking... I can tell you it was prettier than the 2013 NBA draft. I mean, it is... Yes, it is, <laughs> it is prettier, prettier than, that. than that. But, I mean, like, there's there's some star power in this draft. And, I, I mean, you look at it, if out of the guys that we could have selected not moving up, um, who Shaq Lawson, Kenny Clark, a couple of guys like that. But I'm talking more of the... the it was like... The episode just made me lose it. Going in there and like crying. Yeah, he's he was crying in the office. He, I believe, you requested a trade at one point on the show. Why am and I not playing? No. I'm yeah. like, hey, Corey, because you can't catch the football. And he was just struggling the whole camp. And I was just like, I 
lost it at that. And like, I mean, sometimes when I'm bored, I'll just throw it on just to see Corey Coleman just going off there. And by no means, I mean no hate to the guy, obviously, but oh my God, it was so funny just watching him just absolutely have a meltdown. Just, why am I not playing, man? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because you were just sucking all of this training camp. Oh man, it was so funny. I mean, I remember he he couldn't catch the ball. He could not catch to save his life. I mean, 10 games for us, 33 receptions, 413 yards, three touchdowns just in his rookie year. And then, I mean, after that, two other seasons, one with the Browns, one with the Giants, like nothing, nothing. And especially in the third, in the first round, 15th pick, swing and a miss, swing and a freaking miss. Well, I'll, uh, I'll I'll double back on you with the swing and a miss. Taking it back to the Cavs again, though. Oh, boy. Uh, 2012, you get the number four pick. Oh, you're going to And this him. is going to be the miss because the Cavs could have had Damian Lillard in this spot. But they decide not to take him because they were afraid Lillard was too ball dominant. It was going to take away shots from Kyrie Irving. So they went ahead and took a guy who was absolutely not going to do that. And Dion Waiters. That is all he did. All the guy did was shoot the ball. He needed it in his hands, and he kept shooting. And let me tell you, he wasn't abysmal, but he wasn't very good. No. <laughs> oh, man. I just, whenever I think of Dion Waiters, I just think of that quote where it's just like. Oh, yeah. I'd rather be a, I love this one. I'd rather be 0 for 30 than 0 for 9. Because right. if I'm 0 for 30, it means I didn't lose confidence. It's just like. Something dude, along those lines. And there was always like the, like Dion Waiters would always have like that one like random game where he just like go off for points. And then other than that, it was just like. Well, wasn't it him in the Rising Stars game too that dropped like some ridiculous. It was him and somebody else going back and forth. It might have been like. Just Brandon Knight, or I can't remember off the top of my head. I know there was a game where he did that. And oh, it was yeah. a Rising Stars challenge or something. But yeah, it was like the problem of his 0 for 30, 0 for 9 quote is that he was either dropping 30 or dropping an 0 for 30. Yeah, I just i i had like I had faith in him like throughout the years. Like, oh, maybe maybe he could develop into something. But it was just like he never like ever put it together and it was just really really frustrating to see that um but yeah i mean i don't know all right now you got the you got last the, you got the you got the no you, i mean you have your last pick now oh yeah I guess but you do have uh johnny manzel brandon whedon brady quinn all locked up in your draft I don't know. I'm I'm like debating a couple of guys right now because you'd think like with my big board you'd be like, oh yeah, you know, just like go with the best available and stuff like that. It's not but, always that way. You got to take the fun ones sometimes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm I want to I want to see some some good ones. So I'm I'm pondering two ones, but I don't know. I think that we might have to go with this one. Let's hear it. What do you got? What do we got? I hate to say this one. I really hate to say this one, but we're gonna go another quarterback. Hey, four out of the five. It's been a we're gonna traumatic go. position. Go ahead. We're gonna man. do it. We're gonna do it. Tim Couch. Yeah. I hate to admit it, but it was more of just like Tim Couch went before Donovan McNabb, and then like Donovan Mac McNabb being like a pretty good quarterback and stuff like that. Like it's just I was just like I don't know. It, it just another guy in that line where it's just like, man, like you, 
nothing taken in um, 1999. Uh, it was the first overall pick, which makes it even worse in that sense. Um, Those are always the hard ones to look by. Right. You had your pick of everyone and you end up with a bust. And you nailed the bust. I was, you want, okay, how about this? You want to know what I was actually pondering? I got one more pick. You ready to right, give yeah, it away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go I, ahead. Because I, it's okay I, though. I yeah. guarantee I'm not taking your pick here, so you'll you'll have a, an honorable mention. I'll throw an honorable mention out as well before I make my pick to Luke Jackson, yeah. who a Cavalier taken in 2004. Yep. Um, it was the year after LeBron. You know, go get him some help, and they draft a small forward. Which hello, you That's already have one, <laughs> right? Um, you have the greatest yeah. one of all time just on your <laughs> right. team. You know, yeah. And you go ahead and draft another one. He never starts a game. He uh, averages under eight minutes, and he's out of the league in four years. Deals with injury problems. I think it's more of a that's a that's a Cavs problem than like just a straight up bust guy. I think that was just a dumb pick. Yeah, I think he might have had more success somewhere else, maybe. But uh, I'm actually going to go, and we're going to get a little baseball thrown in here for the final pick. Mm-hmm. I can't let it go on. Uh, 2007, 13th overall. It's Bo Mills. Probably not a name most people remember, and that's just the nature of the MLB. Wow. Throwing it back there. Yeah, 2007, Bo Mills. Again, nature of baseball. If a guy never makes it, you never hear of him unless you're, like, really locked into the prospect system, especially in 2007. Right. This guy only played 74 games at the AAA level. Never makes it up. The problem was he was a first and third baseman, but he couldn't play a lick of defense. Yeah, that's a bit of a a problem. He goes to a DH, has one good year, his first year in the minors, and then pretty much stinks it up. And my main reason for having this guy on my list, Jason Hayward goes right after him. Yep. And talk about a guy who just had a you know a solid MLB career who you could have had at 14, and instead you get a guy who can't touch the majors. Yep. No, I mean, yeah, the, the Jason Hayward, that one stings a little bit, because especially, too, that he was... He was I, I love Jason Hayward grown-ups, too, but, yeah, no, that... Just it's it's things you don't see that many busts though in like baseball at least from the sense of like it's yeah, just like, you just don't hear about them, fifty right? rounds right, right. yeah so it's like just and like, there's oh, so many yeah, diamond in the roughs so you have so many picks right. it feels like less now they at least cut it back a little bit but you just yeah so many guys in and out where it's just like oh this guy's got called up from the minors and then or he's just, either good or he's not right or we're like an international guy where it's just like where did you come from <laughs> like, yeah well he's been you know he's been on the team since you know. He was 16 years old. Yeah, yeah playing what? from the Dominican League. And you're like, whoa. Oh, okay. I guess but, you're here now. Yeah, there's baseball. There's the fun of it going up through the minors. Right. Guys are coming in and out 16, 18. Doesn't matter. They're just, uh, they're all over the place. Yeah. But uh, that was pretty much the end of our show. Yeah. The draft is finished. Um, Dylan, I think uh, you might have won that one, honestly, just going off of the, the basic picks. You, oh, you know who we forgot, though, that I just, it completely just, because I was thinking of like Brandon Whedon. Trent Richardson. Trent Richardson doesn't make the list. I know. That's crazy. I know. I, was I took just thinking Bo Mills about, over Trent Richardson. You took Bo Mills I over fumbled, Trent Richardson. Yes. Which Trent Richardson did a lot. He fumbled. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. this He's the epitome of why you don't take running backs in the first round. Yeah, he's he literally, literally is. We both I'm, live by that philosophy, and he is the prime example Mainly for just it. because we probably just saw Trent Richardson growing up with him. I was so hyped about him, too. I was just like, Oh, oh everybody man. was, right? I mean, they were like, oh, Trent Richardson's going to be the next thing. And, well, hey. He was not. Don't worry. The Steelers have their own. 
and Najee Harris, so it's okay. <laughs> that's a that's a deep dig to end the podcast. Yeah, exactly. That uh, that does pretty much wrap it up for us, though. I had a ton of fun. First I had episode, a blast. we go in. You know, it's kind of a specialized episode. Get ahead and get the draft done, but. A lot of prep work went into it, and yeah, I think no we kidding. got a really fun time out of it. Hopefully everyone else enjoyed. Uh, Dylan, I mean, more episodes to come, right? Yeah, stay tuned. I'm really excited. We're going to get the social medias kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, but, yeah, no, just stay tuned. We're going to probably do it a couple times a week, uh, especially over the summer. We're not doing too much, you know, internships and stuff like that. As college students, you're just trying to work and get some money and, and just yeah. try to survive at that point. But, no, I mean, we're, we're really excited to see where this can go. And what better way to end your money-making opportunities than start a podcast? So that's me and Dylan closing out on the first episode. Uh, yeah, like I said, more episodes to come. You know, probably get a more of a tentative schedule to you later on. But before we go, got to give one more shout-out. It's to Dylan himself for making the fire logo for the podcast. Dylan, great in graphic design. I could have never even touched that, so he's the one who really got things going, and uh, shout out to him. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. No, anything anything for the brand, though. Yeah, absolutely, but that about ends it. Jake Volnick, Dylan Feltovich, mistake by the take. That does it for episode one.